0: Hi, everyone. This is Carrie Bellog. I am the founder and chief groupie of Brand Groupies Consulting, where we obsess about your brands. Build your brand, rock your brand, and fans will come. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Brand Groupies podcast, where we speak with inspiring entrepreneurs and brand leaders who are building and rocking their brands. And today, I am so excited to have guest Victoria Grantham here, all the way from London. Hi, Victoria. Hi. (laughs) How is it over there? Good. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Oh, I'm so excited to have you. And so um, for our listeners, uh, Victoria Grantham is the founder of Shark Chaser, the New York-based luxury handbag company created by hand in Italy. The stylish bags are also designed with a unique, independently tested and approved radiation shielding fabric that will protect your body from 99.99% of the electric fields and radio frequencies that cell phones emit. So um, Victoria has an incredible background. She hails from um, the fashion and accessories industry, more than 25 years behind some of the biggest brands. She worked as the menswear designer for major fashion houses, including Donna Karan and Valentino, as well as helped start the Louis Vuitton menswear collection. As the chief menswear designer under Mark Jacobs. When she started her family, she launched her own collection called Victoria Grantham for a number of years. And most recently, she was the creative director and head of design for Rebecca Minkoff. Uh, welcome, Victoria. So I can't wait to, uh, to talk more and hear about your, um, your journey.
1: Yeah, thank you for that. So yeah. Seems a bit long that list. <laughs> You've it done a go lot. On for minutes. Oh my gosh. A- I almost mentioned
0: where you live. I think you've lived and worked, right, in Paris, Rome, London.
1: Yeah. Uh, yeah. New York. Yeah, we, we're sort of a little bit like gypsies, actually, right? And I, you know, sometimes it's hard when people say, where do you call home? Um, mm-hmm. You know, I don't really know. We've been lucky enough to live in so many different places, but and everywhere is wonderful. Sure. And, uh, yeah, but we've been – New York um, – um milan paris rome london multiple times back and forth yeah that is awesome so um so i'd
0: love to actually hear your background of um you know where you grew up and and how you got into fashion
1: what was your um you know your upbringing like sure so i um well it was here in the south of england um I have two elder sisters and, and uh, my mother, and we were all uh, crazy about fashion. My my mother was a great artist, and she she did everything from clothing to jewelry to sculpture to ceramics. So she was like the the almighty creator for us of uh, you know anything artistic. So we grew up very heavily uh, surrounded by art and creation, and constantly making and you know, creating and creating things. It was wonderful. And, um, so I, you know, obviously with two sisters and my mum, you know, we were very much into fashion and, um, I started my journey by falling in love with Mr. Armani. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I think he was the reason why I fell in love with fashion. Awesome. Yeah. And then, yeah. So then I, then I studied, I trained in the UK. I did a uh, bachelors in um, in fashion, uh, realised that you know I loved it, but I wanted something a little bit more, and and decided to do an MA in menswear. Um, really, because I wanted a little bit more of a, a challenge. I felt that you know women's wear was very vast. It was um, a little bit fickle, and you know you could do anything. You know. For, and it was sort of endless but I, I liked more the confines of um let's say sort of tradition and the way men think the way men sh- shopped and you know at that time it was either you know very extreme Yoji Yamamoto or a lot of the Japanese designers or it was very classic Savile Row you know and I liked the idea that there was space to fill or you know a bridge uh, to gap and um and so I trained uh, no one else. When I was at college, I was at the Royal College of Art in London and no one else was interested in tailoring. And so I um, was very lucky enough to have a, a Savile Row tailor that sort of was my buddy for two years. And um, he taught me everything and I just fell in love with, with tailoring and the craft of, of tailoring and menswear and sartorial. And, and so it went from there. Now,
0: now after you studied and you got your master's, um, what brought you to New York? Like, what was that, you know, opportunity or how did it present itself to you?
1: Well, that was amazing. Um, A headhunter friend of mine uh, said, okay, there's, there's this job in New York with Donna Karen. And so I started to do some research on Donna Karen and she, you know, quickly became my you know, my hero, she was a working mother, um, you know, with a with a young brand at that time in New York. Well, the women's wear had already been very successful, and she created this wardrobe of seven easy pieces. And um, I loved American fashion. I, I loved the sort of the sportswear nature of it. I loved its dynamic. You know, at that time, American fashion, well, it still is, but it was really... It was really exciting moment, you know, coming out of the 80s and the and the 90s. So this was the early 90s when I uh, first got the job with Donna Karen, and she was starting her menswear business. And I have to say, it was rather like Armani, you know, it was de- deconstructed menswear. So it was really working along those lines of how do you challenge traditional um, menswear? So it was it was fabulous. You know, I had this. Um, you know, Donna, who was, you know, everything to us, and, and uh, you know, menswear, it was a business that had just started, and so there was everything to create and to, to begin, mm-hmm. and so it was very exciting. Wow. And, and it was, you know, it was petrifying. I'd never been to New York before. Um, I got the job on the team, menswear team, and um you know, I had to find an apartment in one week and it was just it was you know, left a boyfriend back in England and I was like, <laughs> What am I doing? I why, oh my why am I this pain? But I i knew that I just had to be there. Yes. I had to take this opportunity and and be with Donna and you know it was beyond my thinking and comprehension. It was like my every my body was just going there whether i liked it or not so <laughs>
0: that's great i mean and what a time in the 90s i mean with calvin klein i mean that was just like new york Amazing. was just the fashion was incredible yeah. i mean i was interning at the time and i rem- remember i was at a party and i rubbed elbows with donna and calvin they were having a conversation <laughs> and i like rubbed into one and i you must have been there but i was <laughs> a little intern you know at a fashion um pr PR firm, Amen. but it was so uh, so exciting. And then um, I just have to mention the story. Didn't you meet your husband at Donna Karen? Yes, I did. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So Fabio, uh, he was a, yeah.
1: from Italy, obviously, and yeah, he had just arrived also. So he was a little bit like me. I think we started more or less the same time. And okay, uh, Fabio was working at DKNY, and I know it sounds a little corny, but I think it was love at first sight. <laughs> no, I believe it. I love it. <laughs> And you know, I saw him, and I—he didn't speak much English at the time. He's going to kill me if he hears <laughs> this, but he didn't. So the only thing I could say to him to make conversation was, you know, do you want a cup of tea? So it was hilarious, and then, <laughs> then it went from there.
0: Oh, that's great. Um, that's amazing. So, um, so after that, I know you, um, you then worked, uh, on the Louis Vuitton, uh, line and Mark with Mark Jacobs, right? Yes.
1: So, yeah. um. So after about five amazing years in new york you know glorious years in new york and i you know it was it was almost like um a gift because you know we were it wasn't like a job I felt like I was you know forever th- It was a you know I met some of the most interesting people that are have the, you know best positions in the industry today you know we we grew up together and we experienced so much together and we remained very tight um all our, all our career. And so Donna Karen was very significant. But um, at one point, well, then she 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 sold the company. Well, she went public and then she sold the company. And it just felt like a good time for me to get back to Europe. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I've spent most of my career sort of, and I think this is what fashion designers do. You kind of, you, you're very intuitive and you follow your instinct. And I felt that there were, really interesting things happening in Europe at that time you know it it goes in in a circle right it goes you know between New York Italy Milan Paris and I felt that it was also starting to move towards Europe Mm -hmm. and um, I felt that you know as a designer you know I had an amazing experience there but I just had to get to Europe Mm -hmm. and again I didn't know what I was going there for my I was just being sort of Transported there, and I met through a um, uh, mutual friend, Mark Jacobs and Robert Duffy. Mm. And they had told me that they had uh, just been hired to start uh, Ready to Wear for Louis Vuitton. Mm. And we met in London, and it was a wonderful meeting. And uh, I fell in love with Mark. Well, I'd always been in love with yeah. Mark, actually, and um, just thought. Couldn't, couldn't be a better opportunity. The marriage of someone like Mark from New York with this uh, amazing um, historical house uh, and you could just feel that it was going to be magic, um, you know, that the dynamic of those two worlds coming together. And actually it was happening a lot, you know, obviously there had been Galliano and there had been uh, Alexander McQueen but there was a lot of this sort of cross-pollination starting to happen, and it was really exciting. You could feel it in the air. And I just felt very, very lucky to have, you know, that position. And um, there there were literally three of us. There were two people, uh, Peter Copping and uh, Jane Whitfield, on women's wear. So we were all Brits at the time, and myself on men's wear. Mark didn't want to be uh, in La Défense, where the main Louis Vuitton building was. So we we... We we're in a small apartment building just uh, just of Saint Germain, and it, that's how Louis Vuitton Ready to Wear started. Oh, that's sick. and we sat around the table, you know, drinking uh, lots of Coca Cola and smoking <laughs> lots of cigarettes. Say, okay, what, what What should Louis Vuitton Ready to Wear be? It was like giving birth to a to a sort of a, and it was incredible because you know you on the one hand you had this again this historic house and you know what it's just got to be the best of the best of the best and what could that be so in a way it was easy but then you feel like this responsibility is like giving birth to royalty or something Mm -hmm. and and so um yeah that's how it all started very few of us wrapping around this apartment building which then turned into a sample room which then turned into you know, what we have today. So it was, and that was in 1997. Wow. A long time ago, but it that, was a lot of fun.
0: That is such a cool story to hear, you know, the, the, um, behind the scenes. Um, uh, you know, of course when that got started and it's like such a huge global, you know, brand, I'm just so curious, like, you know, working with Donna and working with Mark, um, it, it must've been so magical, like looking at, you know, um, people that want to start brands these days, or even fashion lines, like, what, are there any, like, I don't know, secrets as far as, like, what really made the brand, I know it's like the people, the the personalities, it's the, the, um, the design is just so incredible, um, anything that, I don't know, that you picked up, I guess, learning before, to start your own brand, things that you made have, might have learned, and took it with you to launch your own brand from those
1: yeah.
0: designers?
1: Um, yeah because I I knew actually that I always wanted to have my own brand. I think okay. there are, you know, there are certain people who fit very well into companies and that's that's what they do best and then uh, I knew that I was a little bit of a free spirit and I had to have my own company. So I think the the first thing is really to identify that, you know, whether you 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 know, people you fit better into an organization and and your your talents can be uh, served best there or whether you really have something to say and I just felt like I had something I needed to say and again I think it's more of a, 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 a intuition and gut feeling that you know you have something that you need to express and and then of course it's really um, being authentic to that you know really, really being clear about what we want to say and Uh, what you want to achieve and once you have that um, everything is to be built on from that and um, I I, you know I think it's really it 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 is hard in fashion because everybody expects you to hit the ground running Mm -hmm. you know okay so where's all your like and you know your history and you know and you're like well I've only just started and I think that's the thing is not to be uh Feel the pressure of people around you, whether it's creatively or from a business point of view. It's, it's really start from the beginning, you know, the grassroots. And be aware that, you know, it's all to build. Uh, that you can't do everything at once. You can't be everything at once. So long as you have a very clear vision Um, and then you, you keep moving and you keep moving at the, at the right pace, but don't be pressured by, you know, I think that was, is one of the greatest things is to believe in yourself and not be pressured by things around you. It's very easy to be swayed by things around you and that could be bad for business or it could be bad creatively, you know, so you have to stay firm in what you believe in and start small and grow gradually foundations are more important than, than getting there
0: oh that's great um that's great advice and then um and then eventually you did start victoria grantham yeah election yeah yes. and um that was really exciting and you know full disclosure we we were working together when i lived in milan yeah. and uh yeah. We um, you know, worked on, on the line, and it was just so incredible um, at the time and exciting for me and just always admired your, your work and just your vision, um, and so
1: it was a special moment. I'm so honored to have been a part of it. Uh, well, I, I'm glad that we met each other at that time, and it was a fun time in Milan, I feel. I feel yes. like there were a lot of really young – you know, Milan is a particular um, – Place also, you know, you have these sort of mammoth institutions, you know, Prada, Dolce & Gabbana, and it was very unusual at the time for, you know, new young companies um, to start. And many of my friends in England were, you know, they're used to that. You know, the UK is used to sort of new uh designers and new brands popping up and there is a lot of almost support and help for that but in italy it was kind of like you're you're swimming with the with these big guys and it was kind of overwhelming Mm -hmm. um but doing menswear i really you know i i had built louis vuitton in italy and um i realized that you know the culture of italy was um you know manufacturing and uh you know, especially for menswear, and, I, and you had to be there. You had to be there and, and and do everything there because the most important part for me was being in those factories and, and working with the tailors and creating right there with them. So it it wasn't even a question, apart from the fact that Fabio was Italian, of course, yes. and I loved Italy, but, um, you know, we knew we had to be there. And it was a fun time. You know, it was when Neil Barrett was laughing, it was... Yeah. Uh, um d squared you know and uh so it was really exciting we were all starting out together yeah I remember that yeah
0: and yeah it was just so fun and it was um I mean for me coming from you know America or New York I was I was living in at the time um just being at parties and being surrounded by all of Yeah, the huge, um, you know, designers and just in that world, it was just, uh, incredible. Um, but there was such energy there. I just remember being so It was
1: beautiful. It was really fun.
0: So special and, uh, you know, a great time. Um, and you also, um, started your family while you had your, um, the Grantham collection.
1: Yes. Yeah. My son was born as we launched our first collection. I remember. Yeah. Yeah. And it was, it was, you know, but I think, um, You know, that's why, I I mean, I didn't have the luxury of, you know, working for other people so I could go through, all. you know, we were doing everything, so it was a little bit of a sort of a a juggling, but, um, you know, you have an amazing energy, you know, you know, when you you have your first child, you know, I don't know what it is, but there's this sort of injection of energy, Mm -hmm. maybe it's sort of, that's what nature gives you, so I don't know whether I would advise starting a company when you have your first child, but you know, you, you do, you you can ride this wave of sort of energy. Mm. Um, And so they were, yeah, both, both happened at the same time. And uh, yeah, it was, it was amazing. Loved it. Uh And then uh, I had my second child there as well. And and so they were both born in Italy.
0: Yeah. That's, that's so awesome. And then um, I was going to say after that, um, where did you head after, after Milan?
1: So after Milan, we went to London, um, just for different opportunities there. Um, and it was really going to be a pit stop uh, before we knew that we eventually wanted to get back to New York. That was the, the plan. Um, and that ended up being, I think it was like four years in total. And I was doing... Um, some freelance work for people like Natalie Masnet at, at Netaporte, and um, for a Japanese uh, group called Five Foxes. And at the same time, I also felt like it was a good time to um, reflect on everything that I had done. Mm-hmm. And so I started teaching uh, at the Marangoni in London, oh. Oh, okay. which was amazing. Uh, I never thought that, you know, the Royal college had always said to me, you know, would I go back and teach? And I, I was never really into it, but then it was, you know, the, there are different phases in your life and, um, it felt like the right time. And I loved, you know, seeing students and giving back a little bit of what I had learned. And it was a lot of hard work, I have to say, but, um, very rewarding. And I loved it.
0: Oh, that's so neat. I didn't know that. I went to Marangoni yeah. in Milan. Um, that's where I got my master's in fashion oh, promotion, wow. but that would, that's what led me to, uh, Milan, but I just loved the whole, you know, the school. And I, I know they opened up different campuses. So, yeah, um, yeah. that is so cool. I didn't realize that you,
1: you had that. Yeah, so I was um, actually did... lecturing, uh, on, um, you know, history of fashion, um, business of fashion and styling and design. Mm-hmm. Oh, so, nice there was a you know obviously the history of fashion is one thing but you know fashion changes every year so there was a lot of uh, um preparation and and but it was it was i loved it and um it was a really exciting time actually because it was when you know fashion shows started changing so dramatically they you know everything was becoming a lot more democratic and with, with the internet and everything everything was opening up so much more and it wasn't about, you know, just editors sitting in the front row. It was not, you know, you had having bloggers on the front row. Everyone had more of a, you know, a voice. And so you could tell that something really exciting was happening and it was just bubbling. And um, business of fashion had just kicked off and I, I just fell in love with Imran and everything that he was saying. I have to say he was an enormous support to me with, like, you know, the information. That, but I just loved the way that there was this a greater dialogue in general in fashion. It wasn't so exclusive anymore. Mm -hmm. Which in a way, you know, it it was, that in itself is wonderful, but, you know, because there's this mystery and intrigue in fashion, which is always kind of necessary, I think, you know, what's coming next and discovery and not knowing and finding and, but there, there was a wonderful moment where sort of everyone could be included in the conversation, you know, from students to people like who started their career to, Um, you know established designers to journalists to so it was it was really exciting I mean I always love it when there's change and and things are sort of shift and move because I feel and that's evolution right people are moving moving on you know you're not staying still and so you it's an exciting time too
0: Mm -hmm. yeah oh it must have been so um so fascinating to be part of that uh, yeah. that that time period. I remember when that was, and everyone was a stylist, right? Everyone, <laughs> there were so right. many bloggers and stylists, and um, I just well, remember it
1: was kind of cooler too because yeah. it, was, you know, it it took away the um, the formality of it. Mm-hmm. You know, people could become so expressive, yeah. um, and that was wonderful. I mean, you know, yes. I did very formal. Uh, fashion training, but I realized that, you know, anyone could do it. If you, if you have a real passion and, and a curiosity for it, you know, anyone can do it. Sure.
0: Sure. Yeah, no, that's, that's great. And I was going to ask you too, like you obviously are so talented and, um, you know, have worked with so many incredible brands and, um, and, you know, designers, Um, what sets you apart from other designers, um, you know, and your competitors almost like, what's your superpower? Is it the vision? Like, are you like just, you know, three years ahead of seeing the trends or is it down to the, you know, the detail and the construction of the design? Um, you know, what would you say is kind of your, I don't know, your superpower? Gosh.
1: (laughs) That's a big loaded question. (laughs) You know, I like that (laughs) superpower. Um... I um gosh it's really hard I think um well what I love what I love and Donna Karen always taught me this and I know there is sort of, in design there's sort of different beliefs but I you know I was always taught that design solved a problem um and and good design really is naturally in itself solving problems so you know Donna with her seven easy pieces, how can she make the wardrobe for the working woman really easy? Like, like a guy, you know, you get up in the morning, you put on your shirt or your suit and it's, you don't have to sort of think about it too much. And, you know, someone else has done the thinking for you, what's right for your body and what makes you feel good and powerful and confident. And so I like that, that idea of combining, um, Combining technique, uh, also challenging technique and tradition, sometimes is really exciting. Um, and and what problems are we solving? You know, what am I what am I giving to somebody here mm-hmm. with what I'm doing? You know, obviously it's fun for me and it's very exciting to create something. But what is it providing also for other people? Mm-hmm. Um, how are they living with it? Does it does it serve a purpose? Um, you know, does does it make them happy? You know, is it you know because they the, the first thing in function is always an emotional connection. You know, we 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 see something with our eyes and it sort of you know you respond with your heart and you know that's that's living right. That's that's the fun part of it. But then you know people have to then live with it and how do they live with it? Um, and so that's why I loved menswear. where it was. Figuring out all of those things between construction and quality of make and construction and material and value and, you know, the, the having fun with it, the glamour of it. And everything had to be uh, equal for me, like it had to have its place. Um, and, and I really liked that, you know, thinking about all of those elements and how they came together. So I feel that, you know, I don't, I don't know, maybe it's that.
0: No that's that brings us to your current <laughs> your current yeah. collection you know Shark Chaser. Um, I think you you know um, are solving a problem out there with yeah. the incredible so. Yeah. materials so um, so yeah, so I think that's that's um, really true and I think um, looking at how it's benefiting the consumer is is really important. So how did you get um, the idea for Shark chaser uh, leading into? the launch yes when
1: um actually when i was still in london i was wearing you know i i think i got my first cell phone when i started working at louis vuitton Mm -hmm. and um i think at that time you know i was doing so much traveling and you know constantly on the phone and i remember feeling that and hearing some things that you know it wasn't good to hold your phone up to your ear and you know but we all loved it right and technology Mm -hmm. was moving so fast we were like you know hell we just love it and we can talk to people all the time and we're on the move and we Mm -hmm. can then connect to the internet and we can send messages and we can chat and you know it it just it just um got ahead of us in a way and it was very addictive as we all know Mm -hmm. and um So, you know, we, it ended up being everybody's best friend. You know, you, you, you're just with your phone all the time, which, you know, and what Steve Jobs did and sort of putting all our clutter into one place. And it was genius. So I was holding my phone against my body every day. And I realized that it just wasn't, it couldn't be healthy. You know, it was in the same place every day, right flat against it was in like a little leather pouch that I had made. And, you know, everyone was saying, oh, it's so cool, you know, apart from, you know, the the pouch. But I I just knew that it was wrong to hold it so close to my body. And so I started doing some investigation. Again, you know, I've always been curious about health and wellness and, um, you know, more sort of holistic health. And um, I realized that it wasn't good. Um, And not a lot of people knew about it. And I realized that it was it was very controversial because the industry really doesn't want you to know that. Uh, people don't want to know that. You know, it's like, it, you know, I likened it very much to sort of smoking. You know, when smoking was fun and cool, and no one really knew about the dangers. Well, we did, but we didn't really want to hear about it. We just did it anyway because we we couldn't see anything that was going to happen. And. And it's the same with electromagnetic radiation or uh, EMFs um you don't hear them you don't smell them we don't know and so it's very easy to carry on and, and not realize what's going on. Um and I you know I I I also felt very strongly that I you know it was it was a very heavy subject you know there was a lot to take in it was very uh scientific and um and it was a heavy subject, apart from being very controversial. And I knew that it wasn't going to be, you know, to saying to people, you know, you have to be careful. And so I was very aware that I just wanted to have solve this problem, find a solution for people, and then allow people just to get on with life and still enjoy life. You know, it's not about, you know, oh my God, we all have to sort of uh, run and hide in fear. It's about okay, so that's that's the problem. This is how we want to live. How can we do those two things? How can we live with our technology in a responsible way? You know, I I love my phone. I love technology. I don't want to stop carrying it around with me. Um, But how can I live with it in a way? And there are solutions to this. And so I did a lot of research with different materials um, and understanding. I mean, I was never very good at sort of science at school, but, you know, I had to get my head around all of these these things sure. and i am talking to different doctors and i realized you know there was a way of solving this problem at the same time i couldn't forget you know my love of art and fashion and i didn't want to have you know a boring bag that just solved the problem i wanted to have a bag that was i enjoyed carrying mm-hmm. too that had style and it was designed and it was uh you know, made out of, you know, qualitative materials that we lost um, and, uh, you know, that I loved. It became, you know, a handbag for a woman or anyone, you know, is um, very important. And I had to have that emotional connection also Mm -hmm. to the bag that carried my phone. So Mm -hmm. it just, it, you know, it was a, it was an obvious mix, you know, design, Mm -hmm. wellness and then, of course, we have, you know, we have three main pillars in Shark Chaser, design, wellness, and sustainability. Mm-hmm. And um, the sustainability part of it, uh, I realized that this was another chance to start a company. And I think that any anyone starting a company these days has an obligation to really listen and think about what's happening to the environment. So I you know, as I started uh, my first collection, I, I, you know, obviously I did, uh, you know, recycled paper for shipping and I was really thinking about where I was getting my leathers from and um, were they sustainably, you know, reared as the animals and were they sustainably sourced and um, and then tanned. And so all of that was really important to me. You know, how are we shipping? Do we ship in plastic bags? Well, you know, you don't start off like that. You have to start off... Um, putting all of these things as you start slowly into into practice. Mm -hmm. Um, And then, of course, a lot of my vegan friends would say to me, but, you know, I I don't carry leather and and where are your non-leather bags? Mm. And so I started also to do that research. And now I have um, some very interesting collaborations coming up with, um, and it's something that I started researching actually a couple of years ago about growing leathers out of... Uh, fruits and vegetables so um, it's it's a sort of a a yeast manufacturing of leather so it doesn't without the use of animals and it's fabulous so now we can have I'm working with apple skins corn skins uh, cactus skins Um, you know two years ago it was just the beginning of this technology and we there weren't there wasn't really the sort of the same hand feel that you have in leather and so Rather than using, you know, poor, um, often more dangerous substitutes to non-leather, I really want to wait until I could really answer that part of it again responsibly. Um, And so I'm really excited about that. So right now in the collection we have leather because, again, I believe that, you know, the the leather tanned in Italy, um, the ninety eight percent of it is is a byproduct from the food industry, mm-hmm. um, and all of my um, factories and uh, tanneries have sustainably sourced accreditation,s and uh, you know so I, I'm very, you know, uh, particular that where I source my leathers from. So that for me is creating a a a well-made, crafted bag in Italy with a material that's going to be that will last you longer. That's not going to go into a landfill. That's not full of you know polyurethanes and, and worse substances in many non-leather substitutes. Um, and that you love and you have for, forever. And when you don't have it forever, you know I'm going to start a a subscription service where we can upcycle our our bags um and also you know at the end of its life uh it will go back to to earth so Mm. that was really important to me that everything that i was doing was responsible enough that i knew where it was going to start and where it was going to end um and i'm really excited about my the the vegan side of our collection too because you know again shark chaser is about um you know, loving, loving the planet that we're living on and understanding that we are all connected in this world. Um, so, whether it's, you know, we're creatives and we, we're creating things or we're solving problems and designing, you know, we are all connected, whether it's with our customers, with our raw materials, with our, you know, the final destination. And so it was really important to, to have all of those things together and uh, respect you know the planet that we're living on
0: I love that that is uh really neat and I can't I've never heard of the uh fruit and vegetable skins before or <laughs> yeah, it's materials. wonderful that is really interesting
1: yeah yeah uh, so I'm very very excited about that
0: all right I can't mm-hmm. wait to to see them and also how did the um shark chaser name come about
1: Yeah. So, you know, in menswear, I've always had a love of military garments. Mm -hmm. I always use military as a source of inspiration in menswear. Um, You know, there was the the tailoring and sartorial side of it, but then there was the sportswear side of it. And I have to say a lot of that came from military garments because there was a, a natural, again, this is an example of, of good design and, military garments were well designed and when when you have good design there is a sort of natural aesthetic and harmony um and so that's why i reference military garments a lot and so i have tons of material and i was looking through it one day you know trying to find a name for um this handbag business and um there was a bag that the Navy and Air Force used and it was stamped this bright yellow bag with shark chaser. And it was when they fell into the water, um, it, it was like a cloth tea bag. It would release the substance into the water and it would protect them from the sharks. Mm. So that's why it was called Shark Chaser. And um, uh, so for me, that was the perfect name. You know, it wasn't about me. It was about this idea of, uh, you know, healthy living um mm-hmm. and sustainable living and how do we protect ourselves uh, so it was a pun in a way of you know protecting ourselves from the sharks you know obviously the telecom industry maybe it's a little controversial to say that but you know it, it kind of is yeah. and but at the same time a connection to nature mm-hmm. and i i've always had a love of sharks i don't know why i'm absolutely <laughs> fascinated by them and and you know everything eventually is connected and goes back mm-hmm. to the oceans and so um, a lot of what we do will also, as I'm, as I'm loaning the name from sharks, I want to also give back to the sure. oceans and the sharks and, and, uh, marine, uh, conservancy. So, yeah, so oh, that's, so that's, cool. that's why I called it Shark Basin.
0: That's very cool. Um, oh my God, I'm so excited to, <laughs> to follow the, the, the new collections. I, um, was going to ask you, how do you get your creative inspiration, um, you know, season after season also to
1: keep going? Yeah. So, you know, I, I, um, I knew that I wanted to launch, you know, we have a lot of great vision for the future for Shark Chaser, but I knew that I wanted to start in the area that was closest to my heart. And obviously that is art and design. And, um, so that was, you know, the, the luxury part of it. And, um, I really, you know, as there, we'd, we'd just been, obviously, and I've been through Louis Vuitton with Mark Jacobs, and I think Mark Jacobs was the one who really set the accessory business for the world on fire, and it really started at that point. And, you know, handbags had become so wonderful and interesting and incredible, it's like almost like sculptures. Yeah. And so for me, I sort of saw it like that. It was like a sculpture. It was this three-dimensional object I've been doing. I, mean, I had done full collections all my life, but... You know, ready-to-wear was one thing. It was on this human form, and it was about fitting and you know moving and how it, how material responded to the body. But the the, the handbag was more of like a sculpture, as a separate object. It wasn't even on your foot. It was something mm-hmm. that you, that you carried. So there was this wonderful opportunity to create these sort of shapes and things. And I really wanted to start from scratch. So I started looking at. Um, sort of very elementary shapes. So I have the bubble, I have the triangle, I'm going to have, you know, the cube, you know, it was really taking these elementary shapes, obviously thinking about um, protecting yourself from cell phone radiation. So it was about also creating designs where you can hold your phone furthest away from your body. So there were a lot of these different criteria, you know, material, shape, um, color, functionality and it was just, you know, for me, I, I get a real kick out of um, you know, creating a three-dimensional shape. Um, it's like origami in a way. Like my first bag was made out of one piece of leather and it was literally just folded. And how you folded and created these these forms and shapes and cavities uh, that became the bag. But then of course it had to be highly functional. Um, you know different people like carrying different size bags in different ways. So it was, you know, again, I always see fashion as a little bit of psychology, you know, mm-hmm. it's how people think and l- go through their lives and their day and what they need. Mm-hmm. And um, so it was combining all of those things. And again, uh, actually the bubble bag comes from um, the military. Again, it was a helmet bag, actually it was a cloth mm-hmm. helmet bag. And I just love the dynamic of its simplicity. And, just the way it was stitched and the pockets inside. And, and so it literally came from a, a helmet bag. And, um, you know, it was like a cotton canvas bag. And when the helmet was in it, it, it made this beautiful bubble shape. And so they, mm-hmm. they have those names, you know, they're either called the, the triangle, which mm-hmm. is a very, again, because I made it out of one piece of leather, it's all sort of folded. There was a lot of sort of air in it. And it reminded me very much of sort of like lungs and it was breathing, yeah. it was like alive. Mm -hmm. and and so it was like life and um so i love that it had this sort of uh life to it so that that's where that came from and then from there you know i it's sort of um it's a it's a beautiful start actually because then it's endless you know where you can go from there and it's just wonderful to um you know the, the best thing is is when you have you know your core identity how it then it can evolve just purely by changing materials and colors and fabric and the decoration that you can give it and what what's exciting and new for people to see you know what's the the next fun thing for people to feel
0: yeah that is so cool and you do the brand identity is so strong and you know that's i i definitely see so many um so many ways you can, you can go and, and take it. And, um, what are I mean, in five years, do you see more accessories, extensions of the brand?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So we've got lots of wonderful things that we want to do. Actually, we, we want to, we, we're thinking of creating, um, actually we're, we're sort of in the process of doing it right now with all our different collaborations, but a shark chaser lab. Hmm. So, um, a lot of this is about Um, You know, I think today is so wonderful, particularly with the rise of sustainability and how do we solve that problem. Um, There's this wonderful sort of coming together, there's sort of a collectiveness between creatives. And, um, you know, at the beginning, when I started my career, it was was sort of a little isolating. You know, you did your own thing, you created your identity and you kept it very guarded. And, And like I said, as I've seen, as I've gone through my career, uh, whether it's, you know, Mark Jacobs at Louis Vuitton, this sort of combination and cross-pollination of, of creatives or something in a different time and a place with something very, very modern and another perspective and how that comes together. And that was so exciting. And so I've always loved collaborations and and I've loved every art form and every art medium. So, I, you know, uh, we have ideas in the future to, co- you know, work with different people, whether it's and again, we'll, work, we'll function on our three main principles, whether it's design, wellness and sustainability. So it could be, for example, in design, an artist or a performance artist or a dancer mm-hmm. or um, in, in wellness uh, and sustainability. It's, um, you know, how do we how can we create other products to address uh, those issues, you know, I would love to create um, garments for pregnant women or babies, mm. you know, a very vulnerable part so uh, of of uh, of us that need that protection from cell phone radiation or radiation and, and Wi-Fi in general Um you know, we have to think about how we travel. Because when generally, when we travel, uh, Wi-Fi and electromagnetic radiation is at its most dangerous. Mm-hmm. Um, so there, there are lots of things that I have, you know, what do we have in our home? How do we, you know, whether it's something aesthetic um, or whether it's something sort of purely functional, you know, so it could be from bedding to, you know, blankets to mm-hmm. um, objects. Um, so I would love to do, you know, I'm starting now. We're doing some wonderful, exciting collaborations with some performance artists. And then, um, like I said, we're working with these materials um, in, uh, in Italy that are all non leather and that come from um, either a byproduct of something else or using leathers made out of different uh, fruits and, and vegetables. Um, and then I would love to work with colleges and I would love to work with students with, you know, so we want to create the shark chaser lab where we can extend our product offering in different ways. Mm-hmm.
0: That is, um, I just love this so much. And I, I think the education is, is such a key component too, you know, and I, I can see you're like so far ahead of the chance. I just feel like everyone has to has to follow. Um, I'm <laughs> laughing because I have my, I carry around this little, um, and if you can see a EMF oh. um, radiation thing. <laughs> and it That's can great. and it goes off if you, um, you know, are too close. If you put it next to like an Alexa, it'll start beeping yeah. like crazy. And even like you said, traveling in the car, I know that if you plug your phone in in the car, the EMF, like the waves are, are crazy yeah. insane. Um, yeah. But I think you're, you know, of course, educating people. But like you said, you don't... You know, you can't tell them, oh, that's so bad for you. You can't use your cell phone. But right. you're offering the solution of being stylish and cool, but you're, you know, helping helping the world, and it's only going to get, you know, worse. So I think this is uh, is, is absolutely solving um, a problem in such a cool way. And you are such a visionary. <laughs> um, right. So it's uh, it's really, uh, really exciting. Um, and so I was going to ask you, what um, – advice would you give to anyone who is looking to start you know a brand I mean I know you know not even just in the fashion industry but you know something that's really solving a problem and and you know changing um changing how people think about a particular
1: subject uh like radiation um yeah I think it's really you know do do your research um you know have an idea about where you want to what you want to achieve um, and how you're going to get there and, and uh just do it gradually mm. uh, be humble about it mm-hmm. you know um again when when I started my career you know there were these giant luxury amazing companies and there was this sort of pressure to be like that mm. you know from from the beginning and um what I think is wonderful and, and in a way it's sort of it's a shame because I think, you know, the beginning part is the most um, exciting to watch and to feel and experience. And it's that growth and evolution. And, and don't be afraid of that. You know, go on that journey. Mm-hmm. Um, be slow. Um, be steady. You know, create your foundations. Um, believe in what you're doing. You know, do research. Obviously, you have to... Um, understand, I think it's really understanding and listening and observing what's around you. Um, you know, I'm a great, st- I love sociology, so I love like watching people and, and, and how they, you know, what they do and, and how they behave, and I, and I love that. So it's observing people and um, just being really aware of your surroundings and mm-hmm. how, how people are interacting with each other and, you know, um, that's really important.
0: Well, that's great advice um, and w- brings us to our last question, the Brand Groupies Challenge. <laughs> so yeah. if, Sh- if Shark uh, Chaser were a song, what song would it be?
1: Oh, and, my God. I know. And why?
0: <laughs> I know that's a hard one. And I know music is big. I remember you used to dress The Edge, right, from YouTube. Yeah. You always yeah. Uh, were very big in the music industry. So yeah. I was curious.
1: Yeah, and Justin Timberlake. No, we've, we've yeah. music is a big thing for us. Um, wow, that's so hard because I have to say I'm. Um, you know, I love. You know, I have a teenagers now, so I get to listen. They get to find the most amazing music. Mm. They help me. You know, so I, it's really, really hard. I mean, I could be uh, listening to you know, was it pop smoke or I could be you know listening to you know the eagles I, I it's really really hard um i remember i said to you i i you know lovely day is always such a mm. you know i if i'm working to something and i want to like you know uh you know good start to the day yeah you know that's a good and still with us been such a big part of my life mm. so you know so i i you know it could be anything it really um that's I love music and I, and I love all genres of music and all eras of music, but, you know, obviously, uh, you know, classical music to traditional rock, you know, to, you know, everything that's happening today. And, you know, Mm -hmm. I I love it. So. Oh, no, that's
0: great. Lovely days is a a great one. It always, uh, puts you in a good mood and uh, very very positive. Totally. And so what are the, is it sharkchaser.com?
1: What are your, um, channels and social? Handles? Yeah, so, uh, we have, we're currently, you know, we, we started the website. It was very much sort of, you know, I don't want to say homemade, but we sort of just wanted to kick it off, but we mm-hmm. are relaunching shark chaser officially our website, um, from the beginning of 2021. Uh, but right now, you know, we have the site up and running, um, we have Facebook, you know, we have Instagram, obviously, is very important to us. I mean, when we, when we started, you know, I was even, you know, I would love to have just started and stayed on Instagram, you yes. know, and, and not <laughs> anything else. But I do believe that now is um, a great, you know, we we talked about Omnichannel for such a long time in this industry. And now I think, you know, is really the chance to, to talk about real Omnichannel, mm. which is, you know, really owning your space and, um, you know, everything that, you know, e-com is obviously the mothership, um, and everything comes from that. And, you know, we, we are very, uh, dedicated to building a community, a shark chaser community and having that conversation with our community. And so we just want to build, uh, multiple ways of how we can do that whether it's sort of these collaborations or whether we you know it's pop-up shops or whether it's um you know uh doing different events or having different you know conversations about you know anything to do with design wellness and sustainability mm-hmm. and so if anything comes in in um you know when it happens i think you know there has to be a sort of a free natural sort of uh, flow to that you know the world is a little troubled at the moment so i think that you know, um, anything that can give optimism and a certain sort of lightness, uh, to people, um, you know, it's what we try to do. Oh, well,
0: sounds good. And they can go to sharkchaserofficial.com right now, right. And purchase online directly. Yeah. Yes.
1: Yeah. So we have our online store and and you can read more about our story. I, I, I think we're, we're in, um, uh, construction phase like this week but you know after next week uh, everything will be up and running and then the new collection will be added to the to the site and we're doing uh, you know we're, we're lucky enough to have a great um, uh, relationship with our manufacturer in Italy that was very important to us also and so we do a lot of uh, limited editions and um, uh, you know you um, know pre-orders. And so, so it's very exciting. We're able to be very fast and very nimble. So. Uh, oh, that's so great. Yeah. Well, well,
0: I can't wait to, um, to check it out. And I definitely want to add it to my collection <laughs> and tell all my Ooh. friends about it. Um, but Vicki, thank you so much for being a guest. It's been like, it's been such a pleasure and I just love um, hearing your story and just your vision for the future. And it just is, um really uh, so inspiring to me so thank
1: you thank you Carrie. yeah
0: it's been a great pleasure so. thank you
1: it's been fun chatting about it thank you thanks, thanks so again. much for this opportunity <laughs> okay take care thanks so much thank you.